Diving down deep in my submarine I got the ocean around me It's blue and green So many creatures that I have seen Diving down deep in my submarine There's an octopus in his garden There's a pot of dolphins swimming by I think I saw a great white shark I looked a whale right in the eye I'm diving down deep in my soul Welcome back to yet another episode, somewhere in the 170s, I think, of The Feminine Critique. I'm Emily. I'm Christine. And on this day, Christine, what shall we be doing? Talking about the movies we've been watching. The movies! Yeah, big old catch-up. We haven't recorded in a while, so this is our, hey, here's stuff we've been watching. Let's talk about it before we forget about it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what we got. So, as usual, both of our lists are primarily horror, so we figured we would start with all the stuff that was not. I have a few dramas, a few sci-fi-ish, and some TV. So, how about you? You want to start with a different genre that is not horror? Yeah, um, I have a a drama. Um, Let's call it a drama. Uh, It is. I don't know why I said that. It's uh, U571. Oh, this was a submarine movie. Yes. Yeah. I love submarine movies. Like, I really like them. They're like my favorite subgenre. Fascinating. Not, not what I would, um, I understand it because there, there is an excitement about submarine movies. You're in an enclosed space. There's a yeah. lot of like big things happening, but it's all confined to this thing. And it's terrifying because anything goes wrong, it's you're so dead. scary. Is, yeah. is that for you the appeal? Kind of, yeah. Okay. I, the claustrophobia of yeah. it and, and the really intense close quarters storytelling you can mm-hmm. do, it ratchets everything up. Sure. Um, there's a part, I think it's an angel, where they're on a yep. submarine. Do you Season five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always like that stuff. Yeah. Like uh, that to me stand, looms large in my mind too, because I like to think about submarines, I guess. Um, while U571 is not the best submarine movie I've ever seen, it is very good. Um, is this Matthew I, McConaughey? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, John Bon Jovi's in it too. Nice. Um, but it's 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 solid. It's fun. It's interesting. It's it's a good watch. Uh, Jake Weber, who I, oh, I love Jake Weber. Just, yeah, the most charismatic, mm-hmm. handsome man. He's so good in this. Yeah, he is. Um, he yeah. is very. He's he's not necessarily my type, but in Dawn of the Dead, he's he's very very. Mm. I know. I know. So it's a good it's a good sub movie, but okay. not the best sub movie. What is your favorite sub movie? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I, since you said it's not my favorite, I'm like, Ooh, she must have a favorite. Probably below the haunted one. Ooh, I haven't seen that one. I believe, I believe that's what that movie's called. Um, it's a haunted submarine movie. I like a haunted submarine. All my favorite things. It's submarine stuff, but it's also like spooky, ghosty Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, it is. It is called below from 2002. So, um, strange happenings occur on a World War II submarine. Nice. I enjoy enjoy that one quite a bit because it's got all that, like, atmospheric shit, but it's not just, like, spooky because it's spooky. It's, like, uh, like aggressively on purpose spooky. Nice. Nice. Uh, Are you going to... Do you got something? Um, I... Or do you want me to do something? I guess... Okay, I'll throw... I guess this is technically a drama. 
Uh, this is a movie that I, so I don't know if you're aware of this, but Netflix um, is get, doing away with its DVD program. I, oh, I am aware. As you know, I'm, I'm I, I am a Netflix DVD subscriber, uh, and I have been since 2008 or whatnot, and I still, you know, get my little disc and put it in and, and mail it back and get another one. And so now what that means is the, the next couple of weeks, I'm like frantically going through and trying mm-hmm. to bump the movies up to the top that I don't think I'll easily get elsewhere so this was one that i had been on my list forever i think it i i didn't i must have added this back 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 in early days of gentleman's guide i think they covered this it's a movie i always confused with the legend of billy jean uh, because it's a similar in some ways type story and it's Times square from 1980 Oh, yeah, I still have not seen this movie, but I I think I saw on Twitter that you watched it. Yeah, I just watched it yesterday. I would love for you to watch it. It it feels, maybe one day we'll cover it, because there's a lot to it. It is definitely a movie that you can tell is not the movie that it could have been and that the director wanted it to be. I think at some point the director either walked off or was fired because Mm -hmm. he was not getting the, you know, studio just wasn't going to let him do what he wanted to do, which was make it gayer, for one thing. Uh, it's a movie that... It, it, not, there is nothing explicitly gay, but it is very clear that this is intended to be a bit of a love story between these two girls. Mm-hmm. Um, they are great. It's Trini Alvarado, who you've seen in things since, but the other actress, is it Robin Johnson, who is just so good and so just walks on screen and your, your jaw drops because you're like, I... this she had a big career right and she didn't and it's such a shame because she's just like pouncing through the screen at you Mm. um tim curry is there and he's lovely and it's a little bit of a frustrating watch because you know you're not seeing what you could be seeing um but it is very interesting for being a product of its time it is 1980 42nd street so and it looks like it and it feels like it Mm -hmm. and in the middle of all that is this really tender interesting complicated story about these two girls from very different worlds who are adrift if you will who for various reasons are you know have run away from home and are kind of building their own lives and there's a lot there it doesn't all come together but if anybody hasn't seen it well worth watching dig it out it's it's there there's a good kino lorber i think recent dvd of it or blu-ray and (laughs) if you know if you like put it on your queue at the top uh, then, like, you might get the same disc that I'm mailing back. I think I already mailed it back. Otherwise, I put a little <laughs> post-it in there for you to say, enjoy, you know, but it's uh, not going to happen, so. Yeah. Uh, the end of an era, truly. It really is, really and truly. You got another drama? Uh, yeah, I think we can call this a drama. It is uh, Duel from 2022. Uh, what? Karen, the K- Karen Gillan clone movie. What? I know. It's really great. Uh, so Riley Stearns directed it. And um, Riley Stearns also directed uh, Faults, which is an amazing movie. In oh, Art of- Faults is great. That's the yeah. one with, uh, what's her face? Brunette, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, right? Yes. Yes. yes did, Faults is I very good. Like okay. So Duel is very good. It's about, it's Karen Duel. Dillon, which- D-U-A-L. I was looking at, I was, thought you said Duel. Oh well, I. There's really I it's, it's not your fault. You said the same exact word. I, it's a, it I think it might be a play on things because oh. it's about oh. a, it's a it's about a woman who gets a clone Ooh. and the clone 
it, it basically, if you're terminally ill in this world, you can create a clone of yourself to help your family members. So this woman thinks that she's terminally ill, so she creates a clone and then realizes she's not going to die. So there's two of them, and then they have to fight to the death to see which one uh, is allowed to stay. Ooh. It's very good. Where did you watch this? Um, we might have rented it. Okay. I don't. I don't remember. Maybe it's on Amazon. Okay. I am wildly intrigued by this concept. Yeah, it's been on my radar for a while because I love her. But mm-hmm. I also, I'd heard pe- people speak so highly of Riley Stearns because he has another one, The Art of Self-Defense, which I still haven't seen. Um, and I was like, I got to start watching these. So yeah. I, I actively was like, I got to sit and watch this. And it's so good. It I appears to be really on Hulu. Like so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, you would like it, definitely. Okay, I'm definitely going to give it a go. Um, as you said, Duel... I think a good transition from that is Dune. Three out of four of the same letters Dune, right there. Dune. Dune. Like the one that, the Timothy Chalamet one? The, yes, the, the Timothy Chalamet <laughs> Dune. Uh, so I read the book. I decided I was like, you know, like I, I tried to get through those big lists of like, you know, the yeah. best sci-fi, the best horror, like, the, you know, best genre books of stuff. And I'm like, ah. All right, let me try. Let me try Dune. It's it's I think the best selling sci fi novel of all time, or one of them, mm-hmm. and it's very long. And, I, and so I specifically timed it to read it like when I was on vacation and when I'd be on a plane, where it was like, okay, I have to just, I'm gonna have this be the only new book on my Kindle, where I'm just gonna force myself to read it. And the book is kind of up and down. Like I I I'm gonna give another book or two a try to see if I still want to go with the series. But mm-hmm. the first book, it's a it's a it's a marathon, I'd say. Um. And so I decided, like, all right, well, as I'm doing this, let me also watch the movie because it will help give some kind of visual context. So I, yeah. this is the new one. I, I, I have not seen the David Cronenberg, David Cronenberg, David Lynch one. I'm going to. It's on Netflix. Um, but so I decided to give this one a go. And um, you didn't see it, did you? Yes, I did. Oh, you did? Um, yeah. So what were your Twice. thoughts on it? Um, I liked it. I mean, there are a lot of cultural issues with it. Um, sure. Uh, there's a anything that anybody smarter than me and with more knowledge has said about it. I completely agree with. Yeah. Um, but as like a movie that existed to be in my eyes, yeah. um, I liked it a lot. Yes. It's gorgeous. It really yeah. does. The, the visuals of that movie are incredible. Uh, if you, you know, have any kind of eye for that, or if you read the book and wanted to see it, um, it does a, magnificent job of some of that the costumes are amazing really well cast uh everybody is good everybody is interesting Mm -hmm. i agree that they're and i think that is something that the books address because it is at least from the first book and movie it feels very much of a white savior story and nothing about that movie says otherwise but i believe that uh that kind of gets challenged as the books goes on so i assume the same thing will happen with the movies and I, and that I believe you're right because I I there's um I wish that I could remember who wrote them and where they are. For so Herbert. is the internet. Yeah. Somebody wrote a really great set of pieces about it. I guess it's not necessarily the white savior issue, which but I think she did address that. Mm-hmm. But that's not that's not her issue with it. It's I think the fact that it it's using that when it was originally I could be butchering this thesis when it was originally written, it was written to like embrace that area of the world that middle east right. type of 
but there aren't actually any actors representative from that there everyone's just generic brown yes and and also the music i i feel people find the music a little bit uh culturally appropriative considering that. that they're not actually like they're not representing that culture they're yeah. doing this like homogenized thing but they're also still pulling from that culture so it's it's a mm. weird dance and again i'm not going to claim to i don't know a lot about this but it's definitely something to think about because i did enjoy it quite a bit i liked the story i liked the way it looked i thought everybody looked cool mm-hmm. the casting was good it was intense i like i think i bought it i own it like but i do hear the the criticisms of it and i do understand where they come from yeah no i, I would agree 100 percent. it is very much a story that is uh, bridging things and uh, the you know it is essentially even though it is obviously on different planets it is inspired by the Middle East it is inspired mm-hmm. by the oil industry and everything and yes then you have Javier Bardem and Zendaya like and mm-hmm. it it is uh, yeah yeah we'll we'll see uh, maybe they will address that or or deal with it but yes I I would not I I could not defend that that is absolutely yeah. the truth of the, of that movie. But yeah, but that's, you know, movies are complex because I absolutely enjoyed it. Like, I loved the way it looked. Oscar Isaac was great in it. Mm -hmm. I just, uh, it was strange. I'm looking forward to the next one. So I guess we'll see. Same, same, same. All right, give me another one. I watched, is this, I guess we could call this drama because I don't really have much action. So I'll just lump it in together. So this is uh, Sisu, S-I-S-U. I don't know if I feel like I've seen this somewhere. Like the the image makes sense, but I don't know why. Who was just talking about this? Or is this new? This is new. It's from. I think it's from twenty two. It says it's from twenty twenty two, but I don't know where when it got widely available. It looks very dirty. Like the the uh, the poster. Like I think of our friend Jason Fozzie, who like can't handle when characters like actors are dirty in movies. And I'm looking at that poster, and I'm like, oh no, he he can't see this. So this is not for him then. (laughs) It's about it's about a guy who's panning for gold, um, and he. He runs into some Nazis. I've watched a lot of movies with accidental Nazism <laughs> recently. Um, <laughs> he happens upon some Nazis, and the Nazis like do their awful Nazi thing and like harass him, try to kill him, take his gold, beat him up, all that jazz. And then he just absolutely unleashes hellfire upon them and and murders them all. Very elaborate. It's so I think somebody Zach said somebody said, Oh, so like John Wick, but like in the past or whatever. But like no, but kind of. Okay. There's also a dog in it and the dog is fine. The dog is the okay. Time. The dog the dog is perfect. Okay. Please, if you watch this movie, know that the dog is okay. Important. Because if I didn't know that, I probably wouldn't have been able to get through mm, it. Yeah. Do you recommend it? Yes, highly. Nice. It was really fun. It was a good action movie. It was very satisfying. It was fun to watch. Nice, nice. Uh, I have a, on the complete flip side of that, something that was uh, not at all an action movie, <laughs> Neil Simon's California Suite from 1970-something. Uh, so Neil Simon had written several different plays uh, along these lines, and this was... Um, it is basically set in a hotel in Los Angeles, and it's the various guests at the hotel. This mm-hmm. cast, uh, Maggie Smith, Michael Caine, Richard Pryor, Bill Cosby, uh, who else is in there? Um, Jane Fonda, Alan Alda, mm-hmm. like, oh, and Walter Matthau. Ridiculous, ridiculously exciting cast. Uh, it's a movie that Brannon ha- has a fondness for. 
I didn't like it at all. Really? It's very, I mean, it is based on a play and the play is just basically different characters in this hotel who are going through different things. It's very, and this is deliberate, tonally uneven. So Bill Cosby and Richard Pryor, it's pure slapstick. And then the Jane Fonda, Alan Alda is like just this divorced couple who are like having a conversation about their daughter. And it just, it's a lot of, anytime you'd sort of like kind of get into a segment, then the next segment is so wildly different. Some Mm. things are great about it. The, The Michael Caine, Maggie Smith stuff is fabulous. Uh, she is an she is a like theater actress who's nominated for an Oscar, so she's going to the Oscars, and he's her husband. And I don't think this is a spoiler because I think it's pretty obvious early on he is gay, and it's a marriage of convenience. But there's also this tenderness between them, and this, and like that's beautiful. Like their scenes are incredible. I think she either was nominated or won an Oscar for it. Like this, this it's it's a beautiful short movie in itself. But then you cut to Richard Pryor and Bill Cosby doing slapstick and being awful to each other and then walter Matthau cheating on elaine fucking may how do you you are walter Matthau and you are married to elaine may and you are cheating on her with a a sex worker and even that it's like very like oh the sex worker won't leave the hotel room shenanigans and like it's not i don't know it it didn't age well for me but there's some really good performances within that yeah it can be tough with with stuff like that too and that's such like a fun concept that, yes, but but like also, there's a lot of risks. Like you you, you risk what happened. I think to you, like that flash quality of like wait, uh, uh, the tonal shift. Yep. Yeah, and it, it it didn't work for me in yeah. in the way that was kind of spaced out. I get it. That's a good cast, though. Oh, it's such a good cast. <laughs> it, I'm like it's like sickening because you're just like what and them and there's more people that I can't even yeah. remember, but they're all fabulous. <laughs> let's see i have i have something Mm. um how to blow up a pipeline i've heard fantastic things about this tell me your thoughts loved it nice loved it from the director of cam the wonderful the wonderful movie Cam. that's it i knew this director had done something (laughs) that was really good and i remember that's why aside from it being a cool title i was i kept remembering oh yeah i should see that because it's uh the guy who did the thing of what was the thing i can't Mm -hmm. remember the thing ah that that is wildly exciting to see the the cam guy do something new it's so good yeah it's really it's like it's really serious it, it strikes an amazing balance, which I think Cam did as well. It's super serious, and it's about really like upsetting real-world dire things, but it's also fun to watch. It doesn't feel like you're being tortured or lectured. It doesn't feel like a slog. It's really, it's really great. That's exciting. I'm, yeah. I, I love when you, you see a movie you love that's from a young filmmaker, and you you love the movie and you're so excited for what the filmmaker can do next and they do something great that is exciting yep, yep. it really really is it yeah. was uh it exceeded my expectations and my expectations were high <laughs> and it seems to be getting really a lot of enthusiastic attention yeah i've noticed that too i'm i'm happy about it too cuz it like it is a message movie mm-hmm. you know so it's cool that people are like either okay with the message or not put off by like the extremist views sure. portrayed in it. I mean, it's all right there in the title. Yes. That's, that's what it's about. <laughs> uh, okay. The next, I think it's probably my last of the non horror movies mm-hmm. or TV um, a movie. So I have a saga with this movie. I had never seen it, even though it's a pretty well-known 
an important movie for a, for a lot of reasons that will be clear in a moment. And uh, Brannon had like a DVD he had burned of it. And we tried watching it about four years ago and the disc was skipping and we couldn't do it. Okay, fine. We rented it from Netflix on disc and it wasn't working. And then it was on Canopy and we started watching it. We were about 35 minutes into it. And then Canopy just started like freaking out on us and would not let us resume the movie. So it was cursed. But I'm like, I really need to see this. It's it's an important film in canon. So for Christmas, I just got it for him on, on Blu-ray, <laughs> hoping that that would be the thing that would that would make it work. And it did. So finally, we got to sit down and watch Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, I haven't seen it in decades, probably. I would love for you to rewatch it fairly soon. Um, I, now I, I will say I've never seen to Wong Fu, which in my head, these always, like, I'm sure many people, yeah. I got them confused because most, most of them are about three drag queens on a road trip. And that's all I kind of knew about both of them. Um, this movie is so, it, it's really fascinating because it is a side, like there is language that you just, you would use differently today. Um, you would probably not cast three cisgender, my, by my knowledge, straight men in mm-hmm. in these roles. But aside from like those aspects, it is so current. Um, it does not feel dated in any way. Um, it is yes, these are three uh, straight cisgender men playing characters that are not, including a character who is a trans woman. Um, but they do it so beautifully. They are so good. Um, uh, what's his name? So it's Terrence Stamp, who is playing um, the transgender woman. Mm-hmm. And he is lovely. Um, and like reading about kind of a little bit about behind scenes where he was he was all into it. He was totally for it. He was actually really mad when he saw the movie and saw that he didn't look the way he thought. Uh, he didn't, like in his mind when he was with his makeup, he, he thought he looked a certain way as that character and then seeing that this character is sort of portrayed as she is not as as beautiful as you know she wants to be and that like upset him and um it's and what's his name what's, who's the young guy it's russell russell, russell crowe not russell crowe the other one oh, I think of. the one that isn't russell crowe but that was in la confidential what the hell is his name you know who i mean guy pierce guy pierce his name oh, isn't russell pierce. that's why well, that's why I couldn't get it, because I was thinking of people named Russell. Because all for years, I just always paired him with Russell Crowe in my head. It's that's fair. why. Um, he's so good. And I, I I, don't know enough about the behind the scenes. I can't imagine that was a role that his agents wanted him to take, because if you watch that movie back then, when you, you know, cast things very, you got typecast very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He plays that part of a young drag queen beautifully and and he's and messy and mean and i don't know i i was really taken by it and i i didn't quite know what i would get with it but it is pretty fabulous i i i should rewatch it that and priscilla because priscilla uh, not i'm wong fu wong fu yes i just did what you just did uh-huh i used to i i've only seen priscilla like once or twice, I think. But Wong Fu was on TV a yep, lot. it was, yeah. And and I've seen it, like, in bits and pieces and probably all the way through, like, a handful of times, but, like, a long time ago. So I don't I don't have real living memories of them anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's really interesting to watch today because it is a, you know, it, it is was made and set in whatever it was, 92, 93. 
um, in Australia. So it is a little bit of a, a cultural difference and mm-hmm. they are in the city. And then mo- the most of the movie is them, you know, ac- across the outback and just in small towns and rural areas. But it is, re- it it does not feel dated. It feels, again, they use some words that today you don't use those words, but the like the the nature of of this story is still completely applies i think um i mean i i am saying this as a straight cisgender wo- uh, woman so i don't want to you know speak for a community that i am not that i support but i'm not part of uh but to me as somebody watching it i i was really taken by it oh well I'm, i'll have to prioritize it i know zach's been mm-hmm. looking to watch it so <laughs> i'd say it's on canopy but I don't know if Canopy wants to watch it. I can't get Canopy to work for me oh, anymore. no. Did your library have, change? Maybe. I think I have yeah. to, like, uninstall and re... I don't know. I haven't done it yet. Though. I know. Like, it, it hurt me when... Because I was in New York Public Library, and they got rid of it. Um, mm-hmm. But then I can get it now through my... I, <laughs> I think I've bragged about this before. I have two library cards, New York Public Library and the Westchester Library System. So I, I don't know if that's illegal or not, but I, uh, I, can, I can watch it through Westchester. Uh, well, I'm glad you still have a way. Yes, I, I was very... I did not want to give up my New York Public Library card because it has the lines on it. It's very classy. And I'm very proud it is of it. B- very classy. I had, a, I had a Seattle Public Library card, and then I moved and had to just get, like, whatever county and i was like whatever even though seattle technically is in that county so i could when i was in seattle Mm. i could have stacked but now i can't i didn't know i could have stacked in seattle i i was i was freaking out because there was a like letter that came in the mail or it was basically like i i was notified that my library card was expiring and it was right as I moved. I was like, oh, no, I don't I don't have mail that, that I can't lie about where I live now. They're going to take it away. But it was also during the pandemic. So mm-hmm. it was very kind of easy to say, like, OK, but I can't get to a library. So what do I yep. do? And they did it by email. And I was OK. So I have another like 10 years at least of New York Public Library. Whew, I'm I glad. No. Support your library, people. Support. <laughs> uh, all right. Do you have more drama or action I- or sci-fi? I have, I think I have one more. I've been watching a lot of movies, so I'm cutting some stuff mm-hmm, out. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm, I'm finally, this is, this is truly how I cope. Uh, <laughs> there are some days where I just rewatch three or four movies I've already seen. But <laughs> that being said, I watched a movie new to me that changed my life. <gasps> This is one of every so often. Actually, there's maybe two or three on this list, but this is the non-horror one. Every so often you see a movie and you go, my life is different now because I've Mm -hmm. seen this movie. And shockingly, that movie is Master and Commander. the (gasps) Yay! (laughs) Welcome to the dad club! (laughs) I could not believe how amazing this movie is. It is. It's so fucking good. And has no right to be as enjoyable as it is. I think that's the thing. It is somehow this two and a half hour movie about dudes in the 1800s on a boat. Mm-hmm. It is. It feels like it was written by and made for dads. And yet it is so riveting. It's, it's, uh, Russell Crowe is just yep. tre- tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, um, let me see, I'm trying to toggle my thing yeah so this led to me watching one, two three four five six seven eight nine ten twelve russell crowe movies in like wow and, a, and like a, a month a half a month 
Um, and none of them were Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, wait, that was Guy Pierce. <laughs> oh, man, I missed out. Yeah. Um, it, I just, I loved it. I yeah. want, I'm, I'm biding my time so I can watch it again. Mm-hmm. I just want to give it a little bit of breathing room. I was shocked. It, it's, it's like poetry. It's, it's so, so, so poignant and so watchable and just really romantic. Yeah, it's, like a, it's this beautiful friendship between two men who respect each other. Oh, oh exactly. So, so good. And it's funny because that is my favorite. Like, I love reading about that world and era. I love, mm-hmm. I have always been interested in explorers. I love the idea of boats. I love reading about men, who, usually it's men, who were on boats between 1500 and 1850s. And they, whether it was whaling or whether it was exploring or what, and all the syphilis and all the, um, uh, all the scurvy, like all the hell they go through, the cannibalism that eventually happens everywhere. Like to me, it's so interesting on the page and it's so disappointing on film because it's never done well. It's never, it's never dirty enough. It never really brings out what is so interesting about the details of these things Mm -hmm. um and that's another reason why i think master commander is that good because as a film it does it is i haven't read those books but it feels like this is really bringing to life what was on the page yeah yeah it's it's so if you've never seen it i can't recommend it enough i don't think that it would i don't think it appeals to a specific kind of person i think it's just a good movie so if you like watching good things like here you go it's one of those i'm trying to think of like what i always put on this list like the princess bride or a league of their own like movies that really are for everyone yeah feel the dreams i feel Feel the dreams yeah yes these like broad populist stories that somehow like you know that if you're at a you're in the worst wedding table or dinner party and like oh god I gotta talk to people that I have nothing in common with they're on different political sides than me and so on and so on do you guys ever see Master and Commander and I guarantee you'll all suddenly be friends it it really it really does feel like that kind of kind of movie yeah I, I I'm shocked at how many people feel so passionately passionately about it. I mean, I'm 20 years late to the party, so that could most be- people were. I mean, it it was it wasn't a fl- it's kind of misremembered as being a flop. It it didn't make its budget because it was a huge budget. It got a lot of Oscar nominations because I think the people that saw it were like this. It was kind of it reminds me of Shawshank Redemption in that way, where it didn't work on screen. It it took way too much word of mouth for people to realize how good it was mm-hmm. and by that point it was a dvd cable and so on and so yeah. on but today it is beloved as it should be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm glad i watched it yeah me too what a, what a fun first time watch for you yeah i know i had a couple really good ones this this, yeah. this time around <laughs> Ooh, nice nice uh do you have more that aren't horror well i have one that i think that toes a line and I'm going to throw it here because I don't want to tip too far what it is. Cause I didn't know what it was about and I don't okay. want to spoil. Okay. Um, so it is <clears throat> 1999's the fourth floor is... and it stars Juliette Lewis and William Hurt. Oh, and Tobin Bell is also in it. Well, he's the killer, obviously. Well, He's the killer. I don't know this movie at all, but it, this is what happened when we watched Malice. We, as soon as we saw Tobin Bell's name in the credits, we're like, oh, okay, well, that part of the movie is solved. Uh, so 
This Shelley Duvall. A, yeah, yeah. Bury the lead it, much, lady. I Well, oh, she's not in it as much as you okay. want. Yeah, she's like um, third build on IMDb, but... And I think that that maybe is a bit misleading to how much mm. she's actually in it. But it's about a, a woman who moves in to an apartment building, which is m- my favorite thing. Other than submarines, yep. you got a late, like a sentinel, <laughs> you got a lady in a building, let's go. So she lives in this building and it's very weird things happen. And hmm. it's to me, it was about paranoia, female terror, ha- f- constantly feeling like you're being attacked from the outside okay um, i like these I believe, things 1999 i believe it's on 2b nice that seems about right um mm. but okay. i i gave it five stars which nice. might be a bit of an exaggeration it just worked really well for me okay um and if and if you do like like people in an apartment or like haunted buildings not to say that this building's haunted but it has that energy that like spooky mm-hmm. unknown oh building. yeah you know i like that stuff yeah this is this is a fun one of those Ooh, okay very nice uh, i'm i will seek it out i've it's weird because i feel like 1999 i should have heard of it because i was reading newspapers a lot back then uh well, but it's very unfamiliar to me that's kind of how I felt, not to go on mm-hmm. a tangent. I was like, okay, so what are the chan- what's the over under on this actually being good? Because if I've never if it's about a building, it's a thriller or whatever. Like with Juliet Lewis, who Juliet was a pretty Lewis. big name at that at that age. So, what's the over under on it being any good? Like it's it's probably trash garbage. That's why I've never heard of it. But we I was like, okay, well, let's give it 10 minutes. And then it really hit me like, oh, I've seen versions of this movie a million times, mm. but never with a female lead. It's 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 like a classic 90s thriller, but with a woman with like agency nice. and who's doing stuff. So it, it I don't know why it, it wasn't constantly on TV or like on those four old four pack DVDs you would get with, <laughs> yes. with like dead calm and something <laughs> else. Well, I'll seek it out. I'm intrigued. All right. Well, I think that's it. And the rest for me, I believe is all horror. Okay. I like how neither one of us really had comedy up here. Yeah. Well, I don't like, to I laugh don't want here, to laugh. Right? Uh, I'll go with some TV. Cause I do have a couple of TV things that I, I, I keep starting shows and forgetting that I've started them. And then like, I'll get distracted one day with, something else and then it's three weeks later i'm like oh i still didn't finish dead ringers so uh, i did wrap up a few so dead ringers mm-hmm. was one that's the amazon mm-hmm. show with rachel vice uh are, are you have you watched it or are you gonna watch it um i i've heard wildly mixed things on it i might watch it mm-hmm. i don't watch cronenberg stuff as a rule um it just scares me too much um i mean this isn't it's not cronenberg it is based on the film but it is a completely different team uh it it makes me scared though so i am i'm kind of giving it a a mixture i i'm one of those mixed people Mm -hmm. um i really admire it i would say i respect it rachel vice is so good uh and i i think she's always she's always she's one of those like she's usually pretty good um she was sent this was kind of her idea apparently she was watching the original film like and kind of thought like hey i wonder if you could tell this story but it how different would it be if it was i could play twins yeah let me call my writing like producer and have and have them make this for me so i respect that and it is you feel like it is very female driven Mm -hmm. uh karen kasama directed i think like two or three of the episodes um it's very 
like brutal and honest about childbirth and pregnancy and what women go through mm-hmm. so which I really and again I am somebody who has not gone through that is not going to go through that but I admire how they put that out there in a really raw way of not sugarcoating things and not kind of being very aggressive about how incredible and terrifying the pregnancy is Mm -hmm. uh if that is something that upsets you and if and this is to everybody out there if you have a hard time with anything pregnancy body related which is understandable this is not the show for you because you see a lot of things that you that you probably have never seen before um there are reasons why and it is also the, the challenge for me with this the reason why i'm not you know, kind of singing its praise off the rooftop is it similar to the Cronenberg film. There is a coldness about it that mm-hmm. for me, I had a ultimately is the reason why I didn't look forward to watching the next episode. Like each time it was like, Oh, that was intense. Okay. All right. I'll watch the next episode. It, um, there is no very little warmth to it mm-hmm. and that makes sense these the nature of these characters is that they are kind of uh they, they are both missing something and they are uh kind of there's there's a part of that morality i guess that just isn't in them so it is hard to fully care about either of them i think yeah that's uh, interesting yeah it, it's and that that is something that I think can turn people off, and I get it. So I think it's worth watching because it is inc- it's very good television. It is taking swings. It is doing things that I have not seen done before. Uh, but I didn't wholeheartedly love it the way maybe I thought I would. And I think it just it is deliberately putting a bit of a wall up, and I respect that wall. But that wall made it a little bit difficult for me to like really really. F- like it ended and I was like okay well I'm okay I'm done (laughs) I get that yeah I might watch it I mean like you said there's just there's so much stuff and I uh, yeah it's hard for me to stick with something from front to back anymore Mm -hmm. like I tend to to kind of drift away yep uh, which is not, not what I want that's not the experience I want yeah, and it's it's not that long. I think it's six episodes, hour yeah. each. So it's not that much content. Uh, and it is one season. It wouldn't make sense for it to come back for a lot of different reasons. But it is hefty. And it's to me, it is not bingeable. It is not a show that, oh, okay, I got nothing to do Sunday. I'll just watch the whole thing. I, mm. I don't think you would feel great doing that for a lot of different reasons. Well, uh, I, I'm sure I'll get to it. Uh, maybe in it'll be 15 years from now. Yeah, <laughs> I can sure see that. Like it, the yeah. next time they remake it. Because I could see somebody telling the story again differently. Uh, and they do a lot of... It's not just the girl dead ringers. Like they, they find a lot that you couldn't have done with it being the Jeremy Irons characters. Oh, that's um, interesting. So yeah, there's a lot to respect about it. It's just, I think, hard to love. I respect yeah. you, but do I love you? That kind of thing. Mm, I Look, I get it. Yeah. I have two other TV things uh, on, on very d- different notes on the kind of opposite side of heavy duty, you know, acting uh, royalty. I have two comedies, both on streaming. One was on uh, uh, Freevee. Was that it? And that is the name of something. Yeah. So I watched Jury Duty. 
Oh, I've heard that people talking about this. Yes. Yeah, it. I was hesitant to watch it because I morally didn't know how I felt about it. Uh, and the concept of jury duty, which they tell you in the first episode, is that um, it is essentially a sort of office-like reality thing of there's a jury, there's a, somebody is doing a documentary, there's like an actual jury for a case, um, and they are doing a documentary of it, so everybody on that jury duty is, you know, talking to the camera and everything, but actually everybody is an actor except for one guy who does not know that everybody else is an actor. He knows mm-hmm. he's being filmed because he's obviously talking to the camera on that, but he does not know that everything is essentially... Uh, manipulated and everybody around him are are all improvisers uh james marsden is in it as himself and he is i i've always loved james marsden i've always said he's an incredibly underrated underused actor who makes everything he's in better and he gets to play a version of james marsden as like the hollywood asshole and he's (laughs) really delicious to watch and i was explaining the like the premise of it to brannon and he looks at me and he just shakes his head. He's like, that sounds wrong. I'm like, I know it does, right? Except it's not because of like, they clearly were very careful about who they chose and cast as the, you know, the non-actor. And he's just, he's a really like pleasant guy. And the nature of the show is very much about kind of crazy things happening and how he sort of always kind of like reacts to them really well. And like helps the people around him and seems to like always have his heart in the right place and always makes the right decision. So it's, it's a strange premise, obviously. Um, Yeah. It's definitely very weird, but I'm, I kind of like it. I would love for you to watch it. I think you would enjoy it. And I mean, it's the episodes are like 20 minutes and I think there's, I think it's 10 episodes in total. And this is one that it took me like a month to watch just because I kept forgetting about it because it's on freebie. So Mm -hmm. I would kind of throw it on in the background it, it is, it works. Like, I think this could not work, but I think ultimately it does work. And there are, there are things that are very funny. Um, and it, it felt good. It felt like you left it feeling better than you might have. <laughs> and yeah. it could have gone very wrong, but I don't think it did. I, I think it was a, a successful and, and weirdly sweet exercise. Well, that's that's good to know because it's something that that Zach has wanted to watch. So we've been, it's been like kicked around a mm-hmm. little bit. Maybe I'll actually like go like yeah, let's, yeah, let's watch that because I you know that type of thing. Like I don't, it, not that it seemed mean spirited, but like there's the opportunity for things to be kind of like punchy down. Yes, when, when, completely. When it's that setup, you know. Yes, um, and I mean I don't like the idea of it in many ways. Like I, I think. Um, play essentially. Like, I I don't like pranks. I, I'm not. Please don't prank me. I don't like that. Uh, I think whenever you are sort of putting somebody in a position that they didn't ask to be in. Although, like, you can argue, like, no, no, no. He knew he was doing a documentary, so it wasn't like he went to jury duty and suddenly was being forced against his will to do this. Like, mm-hmm. he there was a little aspect of like him. He must have known some things. Um, but it it works because you can tell like. They aren't like the goal of this show was clearly to keep this guy safe, to um, tell the story, but to also um, 
I don't know, like, there is no, like, they didn't want, they're not, they're never making fun of him. And they're never, mm-hmm. he's never the butt of the joke. So, and, like, the, the last episode especially, where they kind of, you know, it's not a spoiler, where, like, he finds out, and the whole episode is, like, them kind of walking through some of the things that almost went wrong, and him, like, realizing things, and it it feels good in the end, and I, I think, like, you know, he's gone on record and did interviews and seemed to have taken a lot away from it in a positive way, so it it's, I would say it, it is it is a recommend. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then the last TV thing I had was History of the World Part 2 on Hulu. Did yes. you know they... Yeah. Did you watch I, any of it? No, but okay. I do know that it exists. I had to pause for a minute and think about whether I knew it <laughs> I, I mean, I don't always know when new things are on anymore because there's just so many different places for them to be. But this... Brandon is a bigger Mel Brooks fan than I am. I, I really like Mel Brooks as a person. I really respect him as somebody when he, when he talks, when he gives speeches. I love it. I just don't always directly connect to his humor. And that's been my whole life. Um, so, and this, it, as I don't know how much of this he wrote. I think it's more, you know, younger comedians writing it and him kind of being there for it. But mm-hmm. it, it, it feels in, in tune to him. I, I enjoyed a lot of this. Like the first episode, we were both cracking up out loud. I think it, some of the things go on too long, which is not surprising for a Mel Brooks property, even if it isn't directly Mel Brooks. Um, I think there's a little bit of diminishing returns. I think um, some, all, there's sort of different um, stories that get stretched out. And most of them, I think, could have been the one episode, one thing, and it would have been great. I would have rather 20 of those rather than, eight of the ones that got dragged on for episode and episode and episode because some of the jokes just got pretty repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit of diminishing returns, but overall it was fun. It was light. It was a lot of comedic, comedic actors you probably like doing pretty cool things. So it's a recommend. Again, not groundbreaking, but you will laugh. So mm-hmm. That's always nice. Yes. Sometimes, sometimes you just... I find that I don't find most comedies funny anymore. <laughs> Same. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I, it's hit or miss, and especially in this kind. And I would say, like, again, the first episode, we were both actively laughing out loud. I think for me, by the fifth episode, I was, there'd be full episodes where I'd kind of chuckle. Um, but then there'd be ups and downs from that point on. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Did you have any TV? Um, Nothing that I can think of. We, we, we occasionally watch stuff. Like, I'm still watching Poker Face. I have one episode left. Uh-huh. And I watched the entire the entire new season of I think you should leave in one evening, and then started to watch the first season again. I really like that. Show. Do I know what I think you should leave is? It's it's Tim Robbins that Robinson that it's those memes like the hot dog guy, and I've got too much shit on me and all that stuff. You're saying things like I'm sure everybody listening is like, oh yeah, that guy, and I'm like, I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. I mean, if, you, if you don't know what it is, you don't know what it is, but. Uh, it's it's very memed now. People okay. make jokes and allusions to it a lot. I, I think it's very funny. It's kind of, I guess, cringe humor. I don't know if people That's what would the kids call it. I think use that to describe it. But yeah, it's 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 people being socially awkward. I think why I like I think you should leave is because it's almost like it's a challenge to our social contracts, mm. like oh, we decided that this is what you do at a stoplight, or we decided this is how you act in someone's house. What if somebody okay. decided that you didn't do that? And it's absolutely absurd because of it. <laughs> but 
but that's what I, what I had what I had watched uh, recently. But I don't usually do a lot of TV. Hmm. Did you finish season two of Yellow Jackets? Oh, I did do that. Yes. I do too. I forgot about it. Uh, how did you feel about season two? Uh, not not as enjoyable as season one. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think the the novelty is certainly a little bit faded, and I think for me, and this is probably tr- this was a little bit true of the first season too. I just I'd be happy if the entire thing was on in the woods and the adult stuff hasn't fully gelled for me, even though, my gosh, I love those women. But mm-hmm. I don't think it feels the adult stuff feels very wheel spinning. Um, And I'm just I'm hoping and hoping and hoping that they know what they're doing. And I, I feel like they kind of tried to clean some things up at the end of the season. I don't know. Yeah, I, I had real like well-formed cogent uh complaints about it after we finished it up and then i I think i just dumped everything out Mm -hmm. um but it it did it just for me i didn't feel the same intensity and connection and i also felt like um the the music was poorly used this season it feels so mean to say that (laughs) you mean like just some of those needle drops and just none of it was as thought out or as deliberate or as fun as the first season everything in the first season felt uh, the first season felt like a revelation like sure there might have been clunky parts and stuff but it was like this is i'm being spoken to through this and this second season felt um like it it lacked power Mm. and i can't really like i can pull out a script and a red pen and tell you what didn't didn't work for me but it just an overall feeling of like I'd say that's fair. And I don't know, maybe it's because they didn't have a lot of time or maybe because they were trying to appease too many different aspects now. Like, but it just didn't feel as authentic as that first season did. Yeah. And it's a, it's a tough type of show because it's a show that so much of its excitement is that early premise. And now because like, I think to what is worrying to me and I do want to believe them when they say, we know exactly what we're doing. It's a five-season arc. We have it all plotted out. Um, I-, I want to believe that. I really do hope that's true. Because right now, I couldn't tell you what what it's about. Not what it's about, but like where it's... There's something, a cohesive thing missing with it. At least with the adult versions of them. I think now, yeah. like, I like where it ended with the, in the, in 1996. Um, like, I could still see another three years of the that story being told. But I have absolutely no real idea what is happening in 2021 on that show or why it matters. And, like, the show did a big swing. Like, I, like, I, we, I won't, I don't want to spoil it. But, like, basically a really big thing happened at the very end and it, I'm, I like that they did that because I think it was something had to happen in that timeline. But also that worries me because I feel like that takes away the most potentially interesting part of that group. So, I don't um, know. so I was trying to get to um, it on IMDb as fast as I could while we were talking. Okay, so I think I might be right. So. This second season was was only eight episodes. Yeah, you're nine, right. Nine episodes. So it's missing an episode. It is. Yeah, and it um, feels it too. And and then, but I had seen, and I could be completely making this up. I had seen that there was going to be 
an episode airing later hmm. to like bridge season two and season three. I could be, I don't know where I saw it. I could be making this up. <laughs> but if that's true, that to me makes a lot of sense because I saw a couple people with the sentiment of kind of like, oh, I didn't realize that was the finale. It's, I, it felt weird. It did, even yeah. though a big thing happens, it happens at a weird time in the episode mm-hmm. to where I, like it ended and I was, I was unclear whether that was, I'm like, that has to be it because you wouldn't do that to that character if this wasn't the finale, but doesn't feel like a finale so that makes sense so i don't but so i don't know if they're gonna kind of walk anything back or re-explain things but it mm. just there was like the the season one was really strong with the with the jackie stuff and then yeah i think that we abandoned that stuff way too quick in season two and i yeah. i'm starting to really enjoy characters that aren't the air quotes main characters and that's always kind of emblematic of something when when I'm like, oh, what's what's uh, Shauna's husband up to? Jeff, right? Jeff, like, yeah. What what's he up to? Yeah. Where, what's he? I I shouldn't be like that excited about such an ancillary character and the fact that they abandoned so much of the stuff with Teddy's family, like that whole thing. Like on one hand, that's been my least favorite aspect of the show from the mm-hmm. beginning. Yeah. Uh, it just it's one of those complicated things where I'm like. Uh, as the viewer, I'm like, oh, right, I'm happy she she won the Congress. Oh, but no, she really can't handle it. But I don't want her to not be able to handle it. Cause well, like, so it's like, it puts you in that exact uncomfortable position. But it's also re- so fucked up. But the show isn't treating it as being as fucked up as it is. Like, we yeah. don't know if her wife is alive or not. <laughs> That's it, crazy. It just seems like we spent a lot of time yeah. in, in, in areas where I don't know that it was necessary if it wasn't then why did we spend so much time on this very unpleasant story yeah i i all the stuff with the with the coach i feel like it was interesting but i don't know that we got far enough with it Uh in the season i i don't know it's it's hard to critique something that i still like like i still very much enjoy it but like i don't know well you made a good point about the jackie stuff because i think that did leave a hole. I think yeah. El- is it Ella Purnell is really good. I think that character was so well conceived. And I I love that. I think it, it's funny. I was listening to a podcast that was talking about young adult. And they were talking about the like the thing that we as a culture, especially like gay culture, has kind of taken on of like how much we love mean popular girls now. Mm-hmm. And it used to be they were the enemy, but today like we've kind of all like come around to understanding like no but like there's a reason we all like wanted to like them wanted them to like us it's they have that thing i don't know what it is and i think that character did and yet that character also got to like go on a journey and we got to see how jackie like her lose her power and all that was so interesting and and that actress is great and riveting and now she's gone and i think that did leave a big hole Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, and, and one final thing I'll just say, so we don't get stuck on this forever, but I'm curious if you feel the same way. I I think I love all the girls, both adult and child. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not, I'm not saying anything otherwise. But I have, a, I feel like there's a really big difference between the Misties, and it's really hard for me to rectify what's going on. I feel like Sha- the Shaunas have they're like shaking hands through time yes. like present shauna is a very good reflection of past shauna yep. and when you learn things about past shauna it makes present shauna make more sense yeah 
the same I think can be said for Van. The same can be said like for Lottie. Mm-hmm. I just don't get it with Misty, and it bothers me because I love her, and I just don't get her in the <clears throat> cabin character. Well, I, I can tell you there is. I I will kind of withhold some of that for another season or two, because I think the Misty of it all is one of those. It is such an extreme of a character because we have seen her her do pretty extreme things and there is so much i think there's a little bit of that problem of introducing a character who's going to be villainous Mm -hmm. but then not being able to commit to it because of your actors and it's like christina ricci in that first episode is torturing an elderly woman in this facility and yet, by the end of the season, we're like, oh, but she loves cats. Isn't she? Misty's so wild. Like, there's a lot of inconsistency on, I think, morally what we're supposed to make of her. Because I don't mm-hmm. think the show is decided. Um, and I th- and whenever you're dealing with teenage outcast, it's a little bit of what I'm going to call the fat carry problem. Of how shows' inability or media's inability to ever really do a good job of conveying a teenage girl who doesn't fit in because they always ultimately can't cast an actor who isn't attractive. Mm-hmm. So to for Misty to be like this really fucked up kid, um, it, it asks a lot when um, there isn't enough time to really explore that, I think. So I don't know. I don't know for me that it's the two, the actor mismatch or just that that is a character that is a little bit too ridiculous. And I don't think the show has figured out what she is yet. I'm willing to stick with it and see, see what happens, but I would like it to shake out at some point. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. All right. So would you like to take a quick break and come back and talk about our horror watching? Let's do it. Let's do it. I bet you have a couple of horror movies that you watched. That I do. All right. How exciting. Now we're going to say at the start, one of those movies that I watched, uh, we're going to save to the end because we're going to probably spoil it. And that is Scream 6. So if you were listening to this episode thinking, when did they get to Scream 6? Uh, it is going to be the end of the episode. So before then, uh, throw one at me. What you got? Well, I watched Warlock for the first time. <gasps> Oh, I have a lot of memories of watching Warlock in the 90s. Yeah, I somehow it has complete, completely missed me. Huh. I think it was um, on, must have been on TV a lot. Yeah, Zach had, kind of had a similar thing. It was it was like positioned like, yeah, I haven't seen Warlock in a, in a million years. And I'm like, well, yeah, I've never, I actually don't even really know what it's about. 
Well, it's about a warlock. I can tell you that much. But it's right there. In the it is Laurie Singer. I because I'm in my head. I'm like, it's Laurie Singer is aging crazy, right? Um, yes. Yeah. It's a. I never realized it's a crazy writer director too. It's Stephen Miner of yep. Halloween H two O, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, and David Tui. I know that name. Wrote it. Yep. And he also did uh, a lot of like. Oh, the Riddick movies. Oh, and a perfect mm-hmm. getaway. Okay. Yep. Sorry. He's currently my most watched writer of, of wow. the year. <laughs> now, how many times is that you rewatching A Perfect Getaway? Uh, not, I haven't watched it again yet this year. It's what? time though. It's time. It's always time for A Perfect Getaway. So this, tell me what you thought about Warlock. This movie is cool. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Um, it's, I think, my seventh Mary Warnoff movie of the year. <laughs> nice. Now that, that's, that's, that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, it's funny I, that you're doing it right. I love her. When it opens, I was like, oh, so Julian Sands is clearly the good guy, right? Because I didn't, the, they were being mean to that warlock. And I mm. didn't, but then he's bad and like, I get it. But that's all, all this to say Richard E. Grant's really good in it and yeah. really, really hot. And I forget, like a, he's like the romantic lead, right? Like he is yeah. kind of, he's the hero and, of the movie. And there's like a sweet little like chaste romance in it yeah. that I really loved. I don't yeah. know, it was good. I always love Laurie Singer. So. Yeah, she was good and fun and relatable, and and there is that old gag with her, but it doesn't go on too long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. It's a high recommend if you've ever. It seen has it. probably been twenty plus years since I've watched it. I I need to fix that. I'm very curious to see how that ages. The love story is so cute. Oh, nice, <laughs> very nice. Um, let me see from roughly the same era okay so i believe i've talked before about my uh teenage niece and her like journey through horror movies so mm-hmm. every time she comes to visit we watch child's play movie uh this is her third visit which meant the number was up for child's play three uh, i like i like the third one i so i don't dislike any child's play movie but i like child's play three the least out of all of them i, I do yeah. think it is the least of the movies it's it was rushed you you could kind of feel it like it just it doesn't feel that complex compared to what would come after it and even what came before it it just isn't um it, it's it's very quick like even it's a short movie that's fine but it takes place over the course of like two days mm-hmm. um i think there are some interesting kernels of ideas in terms of the military in terms of um, masculinity and things like that, but they just clearly had no time to develop anything, and it's very much a pretty straightforward uh, Chucky movie. It's it's not a waste of time by any means. You do have to see it when you're going through the whole process. There's The last sequence is pretty good. Um, it's, you know, it, it it is the least of them, but it is still not a bad way when you think of every other horror franchise. Child's Play 3 being the worst in the series is still like head above a lot of yep. other of the of the middle of the back of horror franchises. So. That's that's kind of when I said that one's okay. That's kind of what I meant because yep. people will often say that it's the worst. Oh, my Mike just talked to me. So hopefully I didn't get weird. Yeah. Um so hi, I'm I, Chucky Christine. I'll be oh, your friend no, to the I end. Don't. 
I don't like it. But yeah, if when people say it's the worst of them, I think that's that's a huge accomplishment that you're yeah. worst because when you when you go and watch it with that mindset, I think the last time we did a full franchise rewatch, I watched it with that in mind, and I went, "Oh, this is that's not this isn't a bad movie. Isn't bad. Fine. No, no. <laughs> and I also have something that's good about it too. And this is again, Don Mancini wrote every Child's Play movie. It doesn't feel like it doesn't fit. It it yeah. it 100% fits into the story and even the tone of it, which is two, I think is a little stronger in just kind of the zaniness, but also it being a horror movie. Yeah. Three does something similar. It's just not at that same volume. Uh, so there's aspects of it that are kind of tragic and the movie deals with weight of it. But then it's also like, you know, it is Chucky cursing and doing his thing. So it's, it's fine. It's it's the middle. It's the middle. I would say it's a mediocre horror movie, which makes and, and that makes it a not great Chucky movie. But I don't think it's bad. Hmm. What'd your What'd your niece think? Um, similar. She was kind of like, yeah, she's like I definitely not as good as the other two. For her, part two is so far the most interesting. Um, she enjoyed that one the most. And like when three ended, I was like, so thoughts, and she was like, yeah, it's fine. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's kind of where I feel. Yeah. Yeah. How exciting. What an exciting thing. Oh, I know. Do you want to hear the other exciting one we watched? So the other, so she's like kind of going through franchises and, you know, I've given her some tips. So Brandon and I were talking to her about the Nightmare on Elm Street films and she had watched Uh one. And I said, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, my advice would be to come back to two, to skip two for now, go one and then three. Because I think that tightens the story because it really, you don't need to. That's to, a good point. Yeah. Yep. It's, you go Nancy, Nancy. So there's a through line. Like um, but we didn't know for sure if she had done that yet. So when she came, we're like, okay, we're going to watch one of the Nightmare movies. And of course, we looked at it, me and Brandon looked at each other at the same time. And we say, wouldn't it be great if she was up to part? And he said three and I said four. Because like most people, his favorite is three or his, you know, the one uh, after one, his favorite is three. And like a few people out there and our legion is strong and growing. Part four is our favorite. So sure enough, she was up to part four. So we got to watch the dream master. So do you, do you know what my favorite one is? Is your favorite one new nightmare? Well, yeah, my favorite one is New Nightmare, but I almost feel like that's a cheat at this point because mm. it's kind of it kind of is so meta. But I don't know. It, my favorite is New Nightmare, but Freddy's Dead has I love Freddy's Dead has become my favorite yeah. recently. Isn't that weird? No, <laughs> I mean, look who you're talking to. Of course not. I love Freddy's Dead because it is it is campy and it 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 is the John Waters Freddy movie, and it it is bizarre and doesn't make sense and. Is totally wacky. Yeah. I hated it. <laughs> and then and then I watched it completely separate from all the other ones and I was like, oh no, this is so good. It's just it's especially after five, because five to me, five is my least favorite of that entire franchise. Aside from the remake, five is my least favorite. Because five, it has some good sequences, but I think five is just boring. There is a tone to five that is not it's it's very down. It's very dour. Um, it's it's very oh, is that serious. Dream child. The dream child. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really. I don't have any. Mem- I don't think of that one. Nobody does. It's the one everybody forgets because it just feels um, like gooey. It just it just it it goes on too long. It's trying to tell like 
I think because too, like, you know, it's a pregnant character. Like you yeah. feel like you have to care about her, but you also kind of know then like, well, she's not really in danger because, you know, it's 1990. We can't really hurt her. And all these like other things about it that I think affect that movie. Um, and, and so I think f- f- six Freddy's dead is just such a breath of like, yeah, that didn't work. So we're going the complete other direction, which mm-hmm. to most people's minds don't work, but to me, it's fun. But Dream Master, for me, is my favorite. It is... It's a good one. It's the MTV one. It feels so cool for its time. Um, I think it has... the Alice has a journey. It's clear from the beginning. Uh, it's a character that... Like, she she has agency. She gets to grow. She gets to learn. Um, when it was over, I, I looked at it. And I'm like, so what do you think? She's like, so the movie was about friendship. I'm like, yes! I never thought of it that way, but yes. She's like, yeah, it's about like how important all of these people were to her and how that's where she got her strength. I'm like, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, it was. Um, it's got the best sequences. It's got the cockroach. It's like it's yeah, zany it's and weird. It's cheap. Like, you know, things went wrong on set and they had to rush things, but it works for me. It's For me, it's the most fun. It's a, it's a really good one. I enjoy that that stretch, that mm-hmm. three, four. Yeah. Um, Five, five I never think of. I think it might be time to, to bust out the whole franchise again because mm. I was just prophesizing about how good the first one is. Yeah. I'm I, like, I don't think we all know how good that movie is. <laughs> I, you know, I keep meaning I want to watch A New Nightmare again because I, I oh, don't remember the last time so I sat good. down and watched it beginning to end. And I know that I... I had, like, the first time I watched that movie, I started it, like, halfway through. It was on TV. And as a result, I have never given that movie a fair shake. So I do owe it to that movie. I would love for you to give it a fair shake. I think there's a lot of shaking that it can do. Fairly. I I vow I will do it at some point. Okay. All right. What what other horror do you have? Well, I have a newer one on my list that I don't know if you've seen, but um, it's on Shudder Mm -hmm. and it's called influence yes i figured you'd see i actually watched it last weekend because i thought to myself i bet christine's gonna watch this and i should watch it too yeah i loved it i knew you would i did too good good so i saw some like like feedback i guess um that like people didn't like it like they were like oh i'm over this influencer type of thing and where this is too much with it but like i don't even feel like it was about influencer culture i feel like it was about something completely different to be honest with you wow that's and it's funny it's one of these movies that like it was on shutter so i was gonna watch it anyway but i noticed like some of the normies like talking about it if that makes sense yeah yeah no no for sure me too and i think it's because of the title because the title was like oh what's this and i think it's from people that don't realize that at this point uh, influencer is the most popular profession for a character yeah. in a horror movie. So it's kind of just like making them uh, interior designer. Yes, or an architect. If you were in the 90s, you were an architect. If you were in the it, early 2000s, you yeah. were a ghost hunter. Like, whatever it might be, yeah. And I think it played into, I think it was more of an observation of maybe the type of people that do this type of thing, because I don't think it was like a takedown of influencer culture. No, I, I think, and it, I mean, there's... I'll avoid saying too much because there's a lot to spoil about it. But to me, it was very much about a character outside of that who kind of miss, who had her own baggage about that type of person. 
Yes. And she was who, not necessarily correct about that. And who was inadvertently distributing the same traits that... Yes. Yeah, it, it's. A, I think it's a very deep, interesting look at mm-hmm. that type of stuff. So it was very strange to me that there was seemed to be um, a desire from some folks to maybe minil- mi- minimize just all the interesting stuff that was Weird. happening. And I also think casting a woman that does have a, a very large mark on her face yes. was was very telling about what they wanted this story to actually be doing. Yeah. I, and the whole time I watched that and I was like, I wish I was as cool as this. Oh my God. And I mean, that actor, I think Cassandra now, now, now is her name just like stunning and fat like I was like reading some interviews with her and everything and really interesting person um as a dancer I think like just great interviews out there with her and um yes and in that movie immediately like that you know like there was a turn in that movie there was a point where I'm like oh yes because it's also set in Thailand which is always like exciting to watch and it's gorgeous and all this Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. the scene where you meet her character where um our quote our titular influencer is at a bar and this you know gross um just jerky expat British guy is leaning over her trying to pick her up and Cassandra Now's character comes over and just like in two words, like puts him puts him down. Was a so brilliant because it like you saw how cool this girl was. And you're yep. like, oh my god, I want to be her friend. But then the other part to that, I'm like, this movie understands people because I have lived abroad and there is always that guy that is at the bar that is there doing that, and the movie uses him so well. And it does, it does like. I, I thought it was very clever about one of those movies where almost everything that happens come, like is important, is a clue, is going to get used again. Every yeah. prop is important. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to watch it again at some point. I Because I couldn't decide how I... There's a dip in the middle where you kind of go to a different character's POV. And I wasn't entirely sure if what that did for it and whether it took me out of it a bit or if that's intentional and it worked. I would, there's a lot more to this movie than I think I could get on first viewing, and I'd like to go back to it. No, I agree, because at least for me, I, I wasn't trying to, like, like game the no, movie or no. figure it out, but, like, I was, I didn't know where it was going, yep. so there are certain choices that I think now knowing what it was doing, um, that I think will play differently, mm-hmm. and and I'm, I'm very curious to look at it again, and it was really satisfying yes. and, and, and really fun to watch, like, a yeah. real fun watch, so... High recommend. High recommend. Yeah. I, yeah. I knew you would love it. I was like, oh, I bet Christine watched it. But yeah. <laughs> I did. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, similarly, I watched a movie you mentioned last time. And if memory serves, I think you kind of said, ah, it's not bad, but it, it didn't work, but you should watch it. And I feel exactly the same way. And that was Nocebo. Oh, yeah. Right. It's yeah. like, but like, how ambitious. I tell you, here's the problem with that movie. And I went in knowing very little about it, but in the first five minutes, I kind of under I figured, I thought I under knew what this character did, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when you meet this other character and you understand that there is something, this character obviously is hiding something, maybe. And I'm like, oh, okay, so I know, right, okay, I see the connection. And I don't understand if the movie expected me to make that connection 
or if the, if I was supposed to be surprised by the connection. But the problem is you spend an hour knowing what this connection is, but the movie's not, but the movie didn't reveal. And it didn't feel like, I like, again, we're talking about gaming a movie. I wasn't trying to. It just seemed really obvious. Mm-hmm. So then it kind of didn't work for me in that way because I didn't, it was still trying to hide something that to me was really obvious. And so it didn't give a punch when things are revealed that you figured out long before that. Um, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. But it, I mean, great. Obviously, Eva Green is always perfect. So and, good. Oh, yeah. God, I love her so much. Um, but that other actress, I think Chai Financier, I'm sure I'm saying her name wrong. Fabulous, interesting, uh, creepy and friendly. And like, I want to see her do more stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like real find of that movie. Um, so it's the same. Like, it's kind of, I, I'm, it is a well-made movie. It is a story that um, you haven't really seen told that way. And it seems pretty, like, I, it, apparently it was somewhat based on events that happened and is not t- letting anybody off the hook. Like, it is clear about some of its politics in a way that you can't really argue with. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, my, mild recommend. It didn't work for me, but it's not a not a wash yeah i think that's exactly how i felt so I, I've, memory serves i think i remember saying those things similar yeah so like i mean obviously watch it i'm not going to tell people not to watch no. it but I, I if you if you came back to me and were like oh, i don't know i would say exactly yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah all right give me some more well here's a movie that seemed to work for everybody else except me um and i don't think you've seen it but that's evil dead rise have not seen it yeah um, I want to watch it again. I always say this. I would like to watch it again. I People were so excited for it. And really, like, just the enthusiasm was a double-edged sword. Because, mm. like, I'm excited that people feel like it's good. But now I don't know where my expectations are. Mm. Um, and, and, I, and, and people are, like, dedicated to this movie. And I was just kind of like, mm-hmm. The whole time, I I wasn't grossed out. I wasn't freaked out. I was kind of bored. Mm. It kind of looked goofy. A lot of it looked goofy to me. Um, so and not in an intentional Evil Dead way. No, mm. no, no. Like in a oh, is this supposed to be disturbing? Oops, mm. kind of way. And there were some good performances that I will fully acknowledge. But but I don't know. It just consistently scene after scene after scene did not work. Mm. And, and, and that made me, again, I walked away from it and I don't like when this happens thinking like, what did I watch and what did everybody else What did everybody else, else watch? How it feels different. What is your sort of evil as a franchise and individual movies? Like what, what's, where do you fall with Evil Dead? Um, I like and appreciate Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Um, they, those movies have never really been my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. But I understand like why people like them, and I understand how important they are to people. Uh, Army of Darkness—that's what that's called, yep. right? Felt felt weird coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Is fine. I haven't seen it for eight, in ages, and I really don't have much of a desire to. But then that remake, that what 20, 2012, 2013 remake or whatever it is, mm-hmm. is so fucking good. I like it better than any other Evil Dead thing, and all the Evil Deads. It's my mm-hmm. favorite Evil Dead. And and then this one feels kind of like a a half step between the the remake and and the original mm. and and I don't know but people and also it's very matriarchal it's 
and and that type of like mother type of stuff doesn't hit me a lot of the times um whereas i'm an absolute sucker for dad stuff mm. but like mom stuff i'm just kind of like oh, i have a i don't i don't get i don't get where you guys are with this well it's also ex- exactly what you said it's usually guys like i'm pretty sure that movie was written and directed by men <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And and but like so many people are like like yeah, mommy's with the maggots. And I'm like, I don't get it, guys. Mm. I just don't. And which is totally fine. Like we're all different and stuff. But there is always that curious part where I'm like, I want to see what you see. I want to <laughs> like this as much as you do. I get it. Yeah. It's funny too cuz when you were describing it, something that I have not been clear on from I've heard a lot of different people talk to me about it and it, it is a, a roll of the dice whether they say, when I ask, I'm like, so does it feel comedic or does it feel like the last Evil Dead movie where it's really serious? And I have had people say like, oh no, it's definitely like winking. And other people be like, no, 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 it's straight horror. So that confuses me and makes me wonder if the movie just didn't accomplish what it was trying to do or if there is a some kind of magic key of whether which way you see it. That, that's really interesting and, and and maybe that is telling because like I said I felt felt like it was it was a it split the difference mm, between yeah. the remake and the and and maybe that that didn't work for me maybe I needed it to eat to lean one direction a little bit harder you know what I think I needed it to lean one direction a little bit harder makes sense and and that's just why it didn't work hmm. fascinating I would again you should totally watch it though I, I will a, at some point out of curiosity it's in an apartment building. Which is a cool idea. I mean, I, I love. why not? Like, And that was something I liked about The Last Evil Dead, too, was, okay, you found a new angle in here. You found yes. a new way to tell a story about a cabin in the woods and why somebody would be isolated. Like, mm-hmm. So that, that's cool. Um, all right. The, so I have been on the HBO, or I'm sorry, excuse me, take that away, the Max watching as of late. Mm. And doesn't have a great selection of horror, but there's enough that I feel like I'll get through everything on there that I haven't seen before. And on the James Marsden uh, train, we have got a movie I had seen back when I was 16, and it has obviously been a long time, because I haven't been 16 for a long time. Uh, This was Disturbing Behavior. Were you talking about this recently? I feel like I talk about Disturbing Behavior I think you must have. I So I, I turned it on thinking like, all right, I remember nothing about this movie other than like Katie Holmes doing like bad girl drag. Like that's all I remember. And yeah. so I watched this movie. It's worth remembering. And pretty much. <laughs> no, you know, I'm going to say this movie had clearly, if you, I bet the original script for this was a blacklist like home run. Because there are actually really, th- there are ideas here. There are things here. Um, this it it is surprisingly um, a little more forward about things like sex, which you did not have in '90s horror movies. They mm-hmm. did everything they could to avoid sex, but you have this idea of uh, you know uh, parents and trying to basically control their their teenagers' behavior. And the movie addresses that sex is like the biggest challenge there because when a character basically gets horny, then that's when like their chip malfunctions or whatever the thing is going on. I don't, still don't really understand what they did to the kids, but you know, uh, and that's interesting and something they weren't doing in the nineties. And I do think there is stuff here. 
um, you know, there's a subplot where uh, James Marsden's older brother died by suicide, and you don't really f- under- learn a lot, but it, it's like one more thing, and it's Ethan, baby Ethan Embry and like a really small part, but it makes you wonder like, okay, I understand maybe why his parents are willing to do this to their son, because they lost a son, so now they're trying to find a way around it, and yeah. they're, they're willing to do anything to fix it. And there's idea. there's actually really good ideas here. And, like, Nick Stahl is good. There's stuff. There's a baby Catherine Isabel. Like, there's a lot of fun faces to catch. It's just very clear this movie being made for a studio, probably being rushed into the theaters, like, for Halloween or whatever it was, it was not going to come together correctly. But, I don't know, there there was ambition that I wasn't expecting. So I did like it more than I thought I would. Yeah, I just always consistently disappointed by it. I don't know how many times I can watch it and realize that I just, I don't like it. Um, yeah. It's because I, I want to. There's so much there that I want to like. It's like the, it, it reminds me a lot of the faculty, but it it just doesn't manage to do a lot of the things that the faculty does well. Well, and in weird ways, because I was thinking a lot about the faculty watching it. The faculty is a much better movie. The faculty is fun. The faculty moves. It has mm-hmm. great performances, great cast. Like it has an energy about itself. It knows what type of movie it is and wants to be. But the faculty has problems. And I, I think, like, anybody watching it is, rolls their eyes at the end when Clay Duvall shows up in a little cardigan. And you're like, what, what, what is this? How is this the, the right yeah, path for that character? Um, and I don't know. There was something about watching this. I'm like, you know, this is, in, this is not as good as the faculty. I, I will not rewatch this the same way I can rewatch the faculty. But I think the script was at one point had deeper, more complex ideas than the faculty ever was going to. Mm-hmm. And you it's impossible to, I'm not defending this, I'm not saying it's better, it's, you know, but I really thought, at least on this watch, I saw something in this movie that I was hurt me that it couldn't really live up to what it could have been. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. That's probably why I watch it so much. <laughs> For you, that makes that tracks. It makes perfect sense. <sighs> All right, give me another one. So this is kind of what started what I unofficially called Russell Mania. <gasps> like in the month of May, I watched a lot of Russell Crowe mm-hmm. movies. Um, so I watched The Pope's Exorcist. <laughs> oh goodness! Tell me everything. It's not that bad. Okay. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. <laughs> How's his accent? I heard it's delightful. Uh, I think somebody called it like an Olive Garden Italian accent. Yes. That's fully what it was. Nice. Oh, love it. It's so I I gave it a 2.5 and it looks like Letterboxd. The average is a 2.7. So I'd say that's fair. Depending on how goofy you find it, you might enjoy it a little bit more. But it's definitely worth watching. It is a weird movie. Okay. Okay. I didn't think it was going to be for me, I will say. Like usually those movies where it's like we're a horror, we're not a horror movie, we're a, you know, religious thriller and we're casting some former Oscar winner, usually they bore me, but you don't think I'll be bored? Um I think that it there are aspects of it that are so absurd that it is difficult to be bored during. Yes. <laughs> is there really bad CGI? I feel like I want this movie to have really bad CGI. Oh, not that's jumping immediately to mind i did watch this in may though so like early early may so it's been well over a month got it got it uh on the on the topic of fairly bad cgi i'll go with a movie that again i don't know i'm in a soft mood today because i'm defending movies that were otherwise like zero this 
one apparently had 0% on Rotten Tomatoes and won the like worst reviewed movie of the year for its year of 2008. And I'm not saying this is a good movie, but come on, people. One Missed Call, the American remake, is not the worst remake of a horror film that's ever been made. Have you seen this? Not in a long time, but I remember not hating it. It's fine. It is The Ring. It is Final Destination. It is Pulse. It is every other movie that came out within 10 years before it. Uh, it's the cast is fairly decent. It's uh, Shannon Shushman, uh, yeah. the, Shannon, who has been in a lot of movies with Heath Ledger, her, uh, and Edward Burns, a um, couple of other faces that show up that you're like, oh, Ray Wise is in this movie. Cool. And it is a, yes, it's the haunted cell phone movie, kind of. It's, you know, you get a phone call and then you die two days later. So, yes, everything is derivative of every other movie you've seen. Baby Ariel Winter from Modern Family. Mm-hmm. Alex Dumphy, she shows up in a pretty fun part. It, this, I don't know, it's fine. It's it is a PG thirteen horror movie of a remake, uh, a remake of a Japanese movie that came out in two thousand eight. It is exactly what you think of when you think of that whole era of movies. But it, I don't know, it had some cool imagery. It had some sequences that you kind of saw what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's handled seriously. Uh, I was kind of like defending it. And then I get to like the halfway point where suddenly there's like some CGI that was very like, oh, this reminds me of the Dancing Baby and Ali McBeal type era. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's not great. It's not scary. There's a jump scare or two that you can kind of maybe nod at. But I don't know. It just feels um, I was expecting to ha- to watch something that was like inept and enjoy it. And instead I'm like, they tried i see what they were doing they tried they made a valiant attempt this is fine and it just makes me angry because what other what who was reviewing movies in 2008 that they thought this was the worst thing that came out we've always been a very hyperbolic people but also i watching a lot of older stuff recently and re-watching a lot of older stuff even when i say older stuff i mean like 2011 we we really didn't know what we had Even something that looks kind of not great in 2011 is like, through this lens, you're like, wow, sets. Look at these actors <laughs> going to these Lighting. places. A script kind written of. by a human being. Yeah. Be- but like, I don't want to, I don't, I obviously believe we're still making amazing film. I'm just saying, I, I think that the mainstream ones that get a lot of money put behind them maybe aren't great anymore and there's already like a there's a big discussion about like mid-budget movies and how Mm. that doesn't that's not really a thing anymore yeah and so it it just yeah you look back and you're like this has a cast and and an actual script and they're they're lighting it in rooms yeah and everybody is trying yeah (laughs) it's exciting yeah yeah i rewatched the total recall remake and while it's not good i maintain it's still not a good movie it the lighting and the sets and just like the movement it's exciting because mm-hmm. eh, we didn't well, we didn't know well the problem today is that the team that would do all of those things is working uh 80 hours or 100 hours a week on marvel movies and then who the interns are left to scramble and you know fix the mid-budget movies and all of that so it's a whole uh argument for another soapbox uh, day but it is a problem yeah. so yeah all right what else you got 
Um, how many more you feel I've like we're doing? One, two, we three, four, four. Mo- I've got four left for scream. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it with this. Renfield. Tell me about Renfield. I didn't really like it that much. Okay. It's fine. Mm. Um, I I would probably rewatch it in the future because I really do like Nick Holt and I, I like Nick so Holt's choices. His choices. Oh, he. That is the best word to describe him because he so clearly makes choices with everything he does. And I love it. I mm-hmm. love it so much. I loved little Nick Holt when he was Beast in my favorite X-Men movie. And just to see what a weirdo he's blossomed he into. He is the boy from About a Boy. The About a yes. Boy is now a man. And he's a big weirdo and I love it. <gasps> Did you um, see that there were rumors that he was being in, like talked about for Superman? Yeah, I oh, think so. I don't want it. I don't want it. That takes no. Let him still do his weird things. He can't do that if he's doing Superman. I know. I don't. I don't even know anymore. With just give him movies. like thirty million dollars to not do Superman. <laughs> right. All right. Let me get some like, money. Like I get together. it. Like if I'm Nicholas Holt and somebody's like, "Well, we're going. You you get to buy a mansion on every private island in the world if you do this movie." Uh, and and what's the downside? Well, the downside is for five years you have to maintain a physique that is stupid and that won't let you play other characters, and you have to film this movie for ten months of the year and then do PR for it for another eleven months. So you'll have like two weeks to make an independent movie if you like. <sighs> don't do it, Nikki. Don't do it. it. It's not my favorite trajectory these days, no, for sure. No. Um, but I, I do recommend Renfield. Uh, this much like Evil Dead Rise, this is another movie that people really got behind that I just didn't get. Mm. Um, to each their own. Okay. Because I didn't hear anybody. I heard a lot of people get excited for it, but then I never heard anybody like really like root for it after it came out. So I kind of figured it was a little bit of a dud. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it looks like on IMDb, not IMDb, on Letterboxd, it has a 3.1 average. Mm. So people, pretty people... Yeah, people seem to like it. It just didn't work for me. Got it. Yeah. What else you got? All right. So going back to probably the oldest movie that we'll talk about today, 1931's Jekyll and Hyde hmm. with Frederick March. This is pre-code. And boy, is it pre-code. Um, it's like, I, I don't watch nearly enough movies from the 30s that I should. And this is, it's good. Um Frederick March is so good as Hyde. And if you look up images from this, the, I mean, the the design and how they do the transformation, it's basically all through lighting. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. It really holds up. Uh, it For a film this old, it the way they got around things and the way they figured out how to do stuff is really remarkable. They play Hyde as sort of um, like... Uh, Neanderthal like and it works it's this very like when you read Jekyll and Hyde it's something that like never comes across in film it's like Hyde is supposed to be short he is not supposed to be this big grand handsome scary stranger he's supposed to be hideous and small and like unnatural and they go for that in this movie and there is some weird sexual abuse going on. You are not seeing it, but you are seeing mm-hmm. the character's evidence of it. It is there. The abuse is handled um, very uh, with weight in a way that you are not expecting in a movie like this. Um, and it also doesn't take Jekyll off the. Sometimes Jekyll comes across a little too clean, and in this case, like no fuck Jekyll. He's the reason this is happening. So it's it's good. I think I'm trying to remember how we watched it. If it was streaming somewhere, if we um, 
uh, got it on DVD. But if you haven't seen it and you have any interest in either Jekyll and Hyde adaptations, uh, pre-code movies, or just kind of evolution of some storytelling and horror, it's really, really worth a watch. I, I was very uh, impressed by a lot of aspects of it. I love the Jekyll and Hyde story. Yeah, it's it's. There are things here that I haven't seen done that way. So interesting. All right, I have a few. You don't have any more now. I'm just running through. No, go through yours. I don't have anything interesting. All right, on I think this one was on Paramount Plus. Uh, Benny loves you. Have you heard of it or oh, seen it? Yeah. You've probably seen no, the... I haven't seen it, but I know what it is. Yeah, so it's a uh, a man who basically is kind of a child, man-child, and his parents die, and he's alone, and life sucks, and then he finds a stuffed animal he had when he was a kid who is sort of, um, what's the word, like demonic and evil and murderous, but also, like, loves him. So, you know, and basically is killing people that piss him off, but also killing people that are close to him. It is very low budget. Uh, it's a lot of stop motion. The It looks impressive. Like, you can tell that there was a lot of work done in this. And aspects of it are really sweet. Um, overall, it's British. It sort of, like, hit a... There were things about it where I'm like, um, I don't know. There's something mean about certain aspects of it that didn't rub me the right way. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of mixed. I was really high on it to start. And then I kind of was a little bit more like okay i watched that when it was over so not i don't know not really a recommend i'd be curious if maybe i overthought it but i think it's it's actually very similar to megan and it came out first it's it's not again like there are plenty of stories of a you know stuffed animal that loves you too much type thing but it really does especially in the beginning you're like oh wow there's a lot of beats here that are very similar so if you like that kind of story it's definitely worth watching it's a good concept it's a it's some really good ideas within it i there was something about it that i didn't fully see eye to eye with i think and i can't quite explain it or it's been too long since i've watched it so i can't think of it like (laughs) an example of something that bothered me about it but i don't know it didn't the tone sort of went a little bit like nastier but not in as fun a way as i think they thought it was at least interesting well that makes me feel yeah i'd be curious for you to watch it Mm. because you might walk away from it differently or or else you'll be able to pinpoint exactly what it was that that turned me off maybe (laughs) that's always a fun thing to exercise too (laughs) yes why did i why did emily not like this movie let me see Um, what else you got all right amazon prime my last two uh again amazon prime is the kind of a a fun graveyard of movies that you absolutely did not know existed or came out (laughs) this one uh so i like a good sexy thriller who doesn't like a good sexy thriller we're in like a nice like renaissance of sexy thrillers i think with um you must remember this doing erotic 90s i feel like it's like top of mind for a lot of people Mm -hmm. so i see this movie and i'm like okay it looks like sexy thriller it is called compulsion and uh, 2016 uh forget the plots basically it's sort of like eyes wide shut slash 50 shades of gray slash a maybe slasher i don't know uh set in a very cool like italian castle um it looks gorgeous it really is beautiful the lead actor is uh so okay i was excited about this because this is somebody i knew from america's next top model and Little known fact about me, I have like an encyclopedic 
batch of knowledge on America's Excel model seasons 1 to 12. So this was then Anna Lee Tipton. I think now they go by Leo Tipton. Um, so it was fun to be like, oh, ANTM, I remember this. And <laughs> they're basically like a, like, I don't know, like a sort of Fifty Shades author who has some kind of um, novel memoir about their wild, violent sex life. And they keep getting sucked back in. So they go to this Italian villa with their ex. And there's sex parties, kind of. But I say that in... Like, there's nudity in this movie. It's all female nudity. There's no... We don't get penises. And it feels like you should have penises in a movie like this. So I'll say that right off the bat. Like, there's masks. And there's things like... And, like, you know, uh, clothing just draped over so that we see breasts and stuff like that. Uh... I don't know. It's it is not very good and I didn't really understood what happened and the movie has like it's a reveal and I'm like I don't what are you telling me? Like that this character isn't real or that character wait so so this character killed somebody but then wouldn't that be a thing? Why isn't that a thing? Oh the movie's over? What? Oh okay, I guess we're done here. So obviously not really a recommend. That sounds frustrating. <laughs> but I don't know. Like if you like Italian villas, it's it's a really cool Italian villa. So there's that. I mean, I do, I do like that. I would be, it feels like a movie that you could pull things from and say like, okay, I see what they did there. That's interesting. I think it had ideas. I don't think it's nearly as um, dangerous as it thinks it is. Like it's very, it feels very like, oh, we have lesbians and I, I don't know anything about the writer director. So I don't know. I know it's, you know, his name is male. I don't think he's a lesbian. Like it feels very much of like straight man directing lesbians type thing. Um, again, I could be very wrong about that. That is just my read of this movie. It and, and you said it was from 2016. I think so. Yeah, it's not that yeah, old. Wow. I don't know why. When you're talking about it, I I kept thinking like this would be a great movie from 1978. Completely. Like you want it to be real Italian. Like you want it to be yeah, not right? like a Pasolini or something where. Like, you're going to see stuff and feel stuff. And, like, there's masks and there's some cool costume yeah. design going. Like, I'll give it. Like, there, there, there are things about this movie that look really neat. Um, but to what end? And also, like, I don't know. There's costuming that's supposed to do something, but it doesn't make any sense in the the way it's being used here. So it feels <laughs> like, again, I haven't read Fifty Shades of Grey. I haven't seen the movies. I don't know. But I think my understanding of them is that, like, I don't know. They're They're kinky, but kind of not. And yeah. that's kind of what I got of this movie. It felt sort of like it was trying to do that. Um, but I don't know. I I feel like you should be, I feel like I should hear this and be like, that, oh, good thing I dodged that bullet. But I'm like, huh, wonder yeah. when I can watch this movie. I think <laughs> you should watch it. It's on Amazon. You can get it. Remember, you have access to Amazon. Yes, Prime. I, do. Uh, <laughs> I have to remind you because I know sometimes you forget. I do. Give it a try. Just I don't know, like cause you uh, you might come back and be like Emily, you're that was bullshit. Like you might really just hate it. I'm I'm simple, so when you give me like big castles, I'm like ooh, that's no, cool. Like and there's really great costumes. Like there's some really I don't know, like they wear pretty outfits and like their hair always looks great, which doesn't make sense because like they're in this old castle. I did not see like a hair dryer anywhere. I didn't. I'm thinking about this like they wake up and it's like oh, okay we have that party in ten minutes and like somehow they look like they're coming out of a shoot for America's Except Model in the next scene. I'm like, mm-hmm. it would take, I could, I can't dry my hair in that time. So I don't know. But uh, 
Yeah, it's, it's all very good. I don't know. Give it a try. I yeah. want, I'm making a list of movies that aren't good that I want you to watch. Yeah, I, I think there's better things I could spend my time with. I suppose, probably. but... Uh, and the last one is also not a very good movie. Also on Amazon Prime. Also starts with a C as a one-word name. This was Compulsion. No, it wasn't. That was a movie I just talked about. Control. Yeah. Control. See what I did there. Control. Uh, a woman wakes up. She's in like a room that has a desk and that's it. And there's a voice that says, move the pencil. So if you don't move the pencil, we'll kill your daughter. That kind of thing, where there's a voice that comes and tells her stuff, and then her hands are tied, and it says, move the pencil. And how does she move the pencil? She's got her hands tied, but oh, she's telekinetic. That's how she does it. So it's progressively, things keep, she is in this room, uh, she she is told that this, this force that she doesn't know, whether it's government or military or aliens or what, has kidnapped her daughter and is kind of testing her mind powers to do things. Um, at a certain point, there is another person in the room, and then other things happen. Uh, it goes on for an hour and a half, <laughs> and it's, this isn't very good. It's the kind of movie, the kind of premise I like, and I've seen variations of this premise in many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the actress is very good. The lead actor, I don't know her name. I think she's Canadian. I watched a lot of movies where everybody was Canadian lately. But she, like, she she is good and she is pretty much the main person in this movie for most of it and does a very good job. She's very, like, again, like, I looked her up and she was a dancer. I'm like, oh, that makes sense because she moves interestingly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's interesting ideas. The movie doesn't go deep enough in them. It doesn't give you enough of what it's really doing. It has an ending that isn't that much of a surprise. So pretty unsatisfying overall. I would not recommend it. Which brings us to Scream uh, 6. Uh, so you saw it more recently than I did. Yeah, so I watched it maybe a month ago on Paramount+. Plus. I was not going to pay for this movie, and I'm glad I didn't. I, oh, I'm i so surprised. that I, I feel like I'm out here all by myself. Um, I need to rewatch it to really solidify what it is that didn't work. And I liked the one before it, the fifth one. Yeah, so let, we'll give a spoiler alert, because I think yeah. that's, for me, that was the big thing. There, that wasn't the only thing that bothered me. Um, spoiler alert, Scream 6. The fact that essentially nobody dies in this movie. That I that, don't know yeah. a lot about human biology and where arteries are and aren't, but that you have three characters in front of us get stabbed and stabbed and stabbed and stabbed again. And at the end of the movie, they're all, no, I'm okay. It missed my major arteries. Oh, me too, twin. That everybody's okay. And Courtney Cox is, well, we'll find out about Gail because we don't know yet if we can afford to bring Courtney Cox back for the series. This way we haven't said it one way or another. Um, I That really bugged me. Like plain and simple of... I get that we're in an age right now where we kind of have done, a sw- which I'm not opposed to. We had really mean horror in the early 2000s. Uh, a movie would follow a character, and mm-hmm. at the very last minute, somebody would come and kill the character you stayed with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a lot of sexual abuse in horror movies in the early uh, 2000s. We had a lot of rape. We had a lot of torture. We had a lot of really terrible things. We had a lot of movies that ended on very dour notes. And then I think somewhere, and I think honestly 2016 was kind of part of it, we sort of stepped back and swung around a little bit and horror got a little nicer, right? 
that you did not have the same downbeat <laughs> overall. Most horror films did not end in a mean way, which is fine and refreshing until it doesn't make sense. And Scream 5, okay, so I only saw it once. I was okay. I felt Scream 5, I felt kind of, it's fine. This is a movie that isn't for me or for my generation. This is for a new audience and that's fine, but it means I'm not connecting with it the way I did the other movies. Is that, Mm -hmm. did you feel differently? Did you connect better with Scream 5? Yeah, I liked Scream 5 quite a bit. I've watched it multiple times now and it still works. I think the, 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 uh, Officer Judy's, um, Mm. son, Dylan Minnette's character, Wes, his name's Wes in the movie. His stuff in five, it makes it makes me cry. The last time I watched it, I yeah. cried. He's such a sweet little boy. Mm-hmm. And the setup on that is so good. It really reminds me. It's it's Casey, right? It's, yeah. It's Casey from the first one. It's this character that you think is going to be there that is just so relatable and, and like present in the story. And then this terrible thing happens and, and it, it's very affecting. Yep. So yeah, none of that happens in the sixth one. Oh my God. So some of the problems, first of all, like I get it's a joke that we make a movie about New York, but we clearly don't film in New York, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's okay when you're a low budget movie. It feels kind of, um, uh, what's the word? Like, haughty when you're Scream 6 like I don't know like it felt like I'm like watching this I'm like there is nothing New York about this movie and the whole like big excitement was it set New York and like oh look I get it like I'm a hey, Jason takes Manhattan or Toronto or Vancouver but it still like just, I don't know that that bugged me and I didn't want no, that to bug me but for good reason though because yeah and and I and I know that there is this perception outside of New York, because I know people that have this perception, of like, oh, New York's up its own ass. Anybody that lives in New York, all they can do is talk about New York. Oh, it's the greatest city in the world. But if you're going to hang your marketing so fucking heavily on it, and it's the first time they leave Woodsboro, and you just go to any town USA Mm -hmm. and say that it's New York, like it lacks the the grandeur that you promised me. And in a way that doesn't even feel like they're doing New York like the mm-hmm. it, we're at like a college fraternity in a way you're like this isn't no like NYU doesn't have this set up like you wouldn't go to a college party like this in Manhattan it doesn't you don't mm-hmm. have a house like this for college yep. so there's that like the I think you know the they're doing interesting things with some of the characters like they, they had ideas for the sisters of how they're handling this and how they're handling it differently and that's fine. Um, it neither one was that interesting to me. I think the the killer. I, and again, I'm not like a. I wasn't even trying to game it. I wasn't trying to figure it out. But it seemed really obvious to me. At least two of the three killers. Um. Yeah. That. That's. That to me was a big problem with it. The. I I like to be surprised or if not surprised, I want to feel like I can't, I can't believe I gave that person a pass or there just needs to be again, some emotional component, some buy-in and this felt obvious, lazy, goofy. We have a a dead girl who we don't see her body again after she's dead in behind a door. So I don't know about you, but immediately once you find the dads of the cop, you're like, okay, so yeah. no, she's not. That's her. 
and obviously there's there's no reason to have Dermot Mulroney in your movie just as so oh it's either him or it's uh or it's Hayden Penetaire. No, it's obviously him. Like mm-hmm. there's that. Um I don't know, the big show like again, like you're like there's no warehouse like this in New York City. You can't have mm-hmm. this. Um and just the the like gall of the movie to have three major and not just moments of of violence no you have three set pieces of of murders of Mm -hmm. the the twins in separate separately get stabbed in very very elaborate scenes and gail and that whole chase scene and all three of them by the end of the movie you know at least two of them are perfectly fine and gail weathers is probably going to be okay like it doesn't why what did you accomplish by doing that what was what did you accomplish at all by by having courtney cox in your movie even like it's not it doesn't do any good by her i don't think um yeah and you're like watching you're like i don't know you really couldn't scrounge money for safe like and like i know that left a sour taste in my mouth to begin with like i didn't like that whole good on nev campbell for saying this is my worth and i'm not taking anything less and walking away but just it did leave a note to me of like this is a production that didn't you know that decided not to pay Nev Campbell and that bothered me and like it would have been fine if it could at least could have been justified by what I saw on screen but I don't know <laughs> I didn't see anything on screen it, it it's it's all coming back to me a little bit as you're talking about it I I don't mean to be so harsh but my my initial reaction I was offended I did feel like this is unwatchable I thought all the Hayden Panettiere stuff was surface and pointless and forced and weird yeah. That the return of that character should have been so triumphant. And I know to some people it was, but I believe that maybe they felt that way just because it was happening, not the quality of what was happening. Oh, yeah. And, and that makes me sad. Yeah. Like, and, and any interaction that, um, uh, I can't remember her name, but Randy's uh, niece. Um, uh, yeah, I just call her Yellow Jackets. Yeah. <laughs> so. she, the in- Jasmine Savoy Brown, I guess. Um, her interactions with Kirby should have been like, like fucking orgasmic. They should have been the best interactions. What a joy to write those two characters meeting and talking. And it, it was just whatever, yeah. whatever. I mean, did they have 20 minutes to write this script again, not to be rude, but like what was going like on? <laughs> why, why didn't any of this feel like thought out or clever? And I do wonder if it's the current Hollywood cycle we're in where everything needs to be turned around so fast that we don't uh-huh. have time to develop thoughtful, impactful, important stories because it's just like, no, bang it out. But, and even like you're saying the whole bringing back Kirby mm-hmm. felt uh, it's, you know, we know that there is fan culture and we know that fan culture can, can, you know, work for the good, but more often works for the bad. And that everything around that decision felt a little bit the internet really loved Kirby. We didn't know Mm -hmm. this, right? Scream 4 comes out, and that character is not intended, I don't think, to really hit the way she does. Uh, You know, she dies fairly early, or, you know, is is nearly killed fairly early in the movie, considering things. Um, Is not a lead. Is probably, like, fifth build, if even that. And I... I really don't think Scream 4, when it came out, had any understanding of what they had there. Yeah. And when Scream 5 was announced, and when I think, like, 
now you have pure meme culture and it's very easy to see who's oh god i sound so old like who's trending and hashtagging and such and if you have i'm sure producers and interns whose job it is to see hey what do people what do kids want in their next scream movie somebody comes in the next day with a you know a bunch of clippings and says apparently they really liked Hayden Panettiere like that's what it felt like as far as even bringing this character back because we we saw her die like we it it was Mm -hmm. treated like she died and the internet was so excited at the concept of all of us saying like well we all know Kirby you know justice for Kirby we love Kirby which is great but the internet's opinions should not necessarily dictate screenwriting and i know that's not true anymore i know the way hollywood works Mm -hmm. is that yeah well if everybody i don't know should we kill yellow jackets and twin brother or should we let them go i don't know let's kind of get a feel for it first let's see what people think and I, i mean hey that happened with dewey that's the reason dewey was a character for five movies was because test audiences didn't like that he died i get that i do but it's different when it's like preemptively writing the movie because yes. it, it did and when Kirby is like, and I'm an FBI agent, I'm Clarice Starling and I'm awesome. And look at me. And you're like, I, I mean, are this, does this really make sense for this character? I don't know that it does. And it just feels, I don't, ugh, I don't know. It's a, a very, we have too much power as fans. I don't think we should know, have that and power. We're not smart enough no. to wield that kind of power. Yeah. No. Because I wanted Kirby back. I have a fucking T-shirt that says Kirby in the in the corn from the band Corn font, <laughs> and, and it's just a big picture of her face. I I love Kirby. Yeah. I am a certified Kirby stan. The fourth movie might be the best. No, the third one's really good too. The fourth one might be one of my favorites. <laughs> I, and I just really like her, so I'm not at all opposed to bringing her back. I think bringing her back is a great idea. It's just what's the point of doing it if you're not doing it for a reason? Yeah. I kind of feel like making them that girl be uh, Billy Loomis's daughter was a bit of a stretch, but I liked the way they did it. Mm-hmm. It was it was interesting. So that's the five and six are just oceans apart, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it, mm. disappointing. Very disappointing. Did they yeah. announce a seven? Are they doing a seven? I I I think so. Maybe I don't. That's a really good question because I might have just blocked it out. Yeah. I don't know. I'm disappointed. I'm really disappointed. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just a franchise that's sort of now for a different audience and at a different level where like, it's just not for me now. I feel like there's, you could bring in a new team and just shake things up. And I mean, if I was making the next movie, I, I, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is what happens in the next movie opening scene, Jenny Ortega's character dies. Because that is an actor that they're not going to be able to afford anymore. (laughs) So, like, she is somebody who has probably her choice of role in anything. And that would be the smart thing to do with that character. Bring her back to kill her. Not because it's a mean thing to do, but because you can't hold on to this actor much longer. And you add stakes and you do do something and you show something can happen. Mm -hmm. Um but I guarantee it won't. She'll she'll get stabbed in the opening scene and then we won't see her again because it's, well, she's in the hospital now because she's busy filming a lot of other things. And that's how we end up getting it. But I don't know. That, that's how I would go if I was doing the franchise. But clearly they they, they want my, my opinions at, at the start. And then when I have anything negative, it's... Uh... 
Yeah. Not if the masses it, say otherwise. Yeah, it's 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 strange out there yeah. these days. Talking yeah. about talking about movies is tough. But uh Well we won't I, have yeah. them for a while because there's no writers still on strike, so it's true. I did I did look and it looks like that the seventh one has been greenlit or mm-hmm. so I, I don't know I guess probably they're working on the script now yeah I wonder if it's radio silence again or not do they yeah, still go I'll by have... that or do they have like use their names now I think they use their names okay. now um I'll make a summoning circle and I'll, I'll hope that that script is a little bit a little bit more satisfying <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm curious out there, listeners, um, did you feel the same way about Scream 6 or I don't know? Uh, and again, like I, 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 can, I can accept and identify that it is not, I am not the market for that movie anymore. I am not the right age group. That is not my demographic. Uh, but I still want it to be good. <laughs> and I was sad yeah. that it was not. I refuse to believe that that. I'm, I mean, this could be me being stuck up or like haughty or whatever, but I refuse to believe that I'm not the right age group for any movie (laughs) because I can, I can enjoy a a movie made for children just as much as I can enjoy master and commander. I feel like Mm. to a point, a good movie is a good movie. I really feel like that Scott sixth movie was not good. Just like not good i could see that argument for the fifth one like oh i don't get it anymore kids and their friend groups and what they do and what they like and how they talk to each other like okay fine but like i don't know no but i'd agree with you i I think there is a bit in terms of the storytelling of five versus storytelling of six yeah they do feel mountains apart oh what a shame. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you felt the same way, though, because it really was confusing yeah. at first. I was like, wait, again, did we all watch a different movie? Yeah, it's and I think you, me to an extent, but certainly I think more, it happens to you more so where there is a zeitgeist for, and in different ways. I'm saying that, and yet we, both of us run in different internet movie circles where opinions are not necessarily the mainstream but are the mainstream in that weird little circles that we're in mm-hmm. and there are times same thing where something comes out and everybody and more often than not it's the one side versus the other of where people are thrilled about something and i don't get it and i know you you have that i think even more so i think you just have a very keen eye and i think you often see problematic things quicker than some of other people like you'll have an opinion on a movie and five years later the general consensus will swing to your opinion uh i have i have not found a way to make that uh advantageous to monetize i know yeah. no it's, it's the cassandra <laughs> complex i have it at work but it's and it's even yet believe it or not it's less useful at work when you can see disaster coming and you can pinpoint exactly what's going to happen but then nobody believes you and then it happens and nobody even remembers that you said it yep. uh and you you do the same when it comes to movies i think <laughs> Well, thank you. I do appreciate that. Indeed. All right. Well, that's all we've been watching. Uh, Would you like to tell everybody what our next episode is going to be? Oh, wait. Do I know what it is? Do you remember? I was seasonal. Remember I said seasonal. Summertime. Oh, like summertime movies. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. I I think we need to come up with some parameters for it. Oh, definitely. I I could go wild with this. But yeah, like summertime, vibey movies, like what makes you think of the season Mm -hmm. or or maybe like summer holidays because isn't there fireworks in Dolores Claiborne? So this could go (laughs) a lot of directions. Yeah, we're talking uh, about our favorite summer movies. 
And like Christine said, that could be summer themed. It could be, well, it's, it's a beach, but it's winter. But it could be a movie that you watched in the summer all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, now summer is, you know, it's different in Australia. Summer is winter. So I don't know. What does that mean? So yeah, no, you're right. We do. We'll, we'll, we'll off mic work through the parameters, but that is going to be our next episode all about summer movies, summer cinema. So think Woo. about your favorite summer cinema. And with that being said, find Christine's books because they're amazing. And she's got oh, a few of them you. now and you had short stories out there. So ChristineMakePeace.com. Yep, that's mm. me. You're still Xteen Make Peace on Twitter. I am. It's currently private, so you gotta you gotta make a request. <laughs> <laughs> See, again, yeah, that happens when somebody like Christine is smart and and sees things and writes about them beautifully, and uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> and makes life and therefore makes her life harder because other people don't want to see that. But um, read Christine's writing; it's amazing. So if you don't, if you're not, uh, if she doesn't approve you on Twitter, uh, go to ChristineMakePeace.com <laughs> to buy her books. Hey, thanks. Yes. and Emily's a great writer too. Oh, she thanks. Can, I am. I'm just not organized about it. Thank you. Yes, you can still read my stuff at DeadlyDollsHouse.com. Mm-hmm. I think sometime at some point I'll, I'll have a disturbing behavior post coming up where I think I am much kinder to that movie than most people should be that's exciting yeah so all that fun stuff and we will talk to you next time while wearing a lot of sunscreen yeah and maybe getting attacked by a shark oh <gasps> yeah